Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Jason Vines, author of What Did Jesus Drive? And you're listening to Thursday Night Thunder on the Speedway Digest Radio Network. Hello and welcome to the August 13th edition of Speedway Digest, Thursday Night Thunder, the most hardcore motorsports program on the internet. This is episode 187 of the series. I'm your host, Adam Jason Sinclair, and on tonight's program, Michael Mlali Kapawa and myself will be recapping the past couple of weeks of racing, previewing upcoming action, and discussing whatever other topics pop into the conversation. Eight winners are among the field of drivers assigned to 33 cars entered for the 104th Indianapolis 500, presented by Gainbridge on Sunday, August 23rd at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Three-time winner, Helio Castroneves, 2001, 2002, and 2009, and single winners Scott Dixon, 2008, Tony Kanon, 2013, Ryan Hunter Ray, 2014, Alexander Rossi, 2016, uh, Takuma Sato, 2017, Will Power, 2018, and Simon Paganod, 2019, are the past winners aiming for another victory this year in the greatest spectacle in racing. Castroneves will, will bid to become the fourth member of the elite four-time winner's club featuring A.J. Fort, Al Unser, and Rick Neer. Two-time Formula One grand champion Fernando Alonso returns to the 500 this year with Aero McLaren SP. Alonso will attempt to become just the second driver during Graham Hill to complete the triple crown of global auto racing with victories in the Indianapolis 500, the 24 Hours of Limon, and the Monaco Grand Prix. The field includes six past IndyCar champions. Dixon, Hunter Ray, Kanan, Joseph Newgarden, Simon Pagano, and Will Power. Newgarden is the reigning NTT IndyCar Series champion. A talented group of five drivers will compete for Indianapolis 500, presented by Gainbridge Rookie of the Year honors. Oliver Askew, Dalton Kellett, Pato Ward, Alex Payo, and Renu VK Award 2018 and Askew 2019 are former Indy Lights presented by Cooper Tires champions. Andretti Autosports has entered six cars the most of any team. Practice open Wednesday, August 12th, and runs through Friday the 14th. Crown Royal Armed Forces qualifying is scheduled for Saturday the 15th and Sunday the 16th. The traditional final practice, extended to two hours as far as the middle of that carb day, will be held on Friday, August 21st. NBC's live hunter broadcast begins at 1 p.m. on Sunday, August 23rd, with a green flag set for 2.30 p.m. Central Indiana fans can watch the race live on WTHR Channel 13. Are you a race car driver, crew chief, pit member, track owner? Maybe you're just a huge fan of the sport. Contact either Michael Malalik or myself to get your spot on the show. After all, you deserve 15 minutes of fame, and we'd love to hear from you. While we're standing by for our first guest to call in this evening, let's go ahead and take a brief musical break here. I know it's only in like five minutes of the show, but we're late than never. We're early than never, I suppose. Let's go ahead and go with a 99 Speedway from Ron Pastana and the pit crew. <laughs>
Hi, this is Jason Alder from AB Motorsports, and you're listening to the Thursday Night Thunder on the Speedway Digest Radio Network. Once again, that was Ron Poisson, the pit crew with 99 Speedway. We're happy to be one of the official channels that use the music from Ron Poisson and the pit crew, and you can find them online by searching simply for Ron Poisson and the pit crew. During the season hiatus, Monster Jam attempted seven world records and officially set six Guinness world records. Fans tuned in on Saturday, August 8th on Discovery Channel to watch the Diesel Brothers Monster Jam breaking world records. That was part of Shark Week. 
Kristen Anderson, the first and only female driver of the Grave Digger, set the record for the highest ramp jump in a monster truck by getting her back tire in the air 33.8 feet on her first attempt. She beat the previous record of 21.33 feet by 12.5 feet. 12-time Monster Jam World Finals champion Tom Mentz and Max D completed the longest nose wheelie in a monster truck for a total distance of 209 feet on his fourth attempt. His record to beat was 50.85 feet. To set the world record, Guinness requires all tires to land on the ground. In his fifth attempt, he traveled more than 600 feet, but all tires did not land on the ground, requiring him to submit his fourth attempt. After four attempts, the most consecutive donut spins in a monster truck is now 58 and was achieved by Bari. Oh, oh no. Uh, I'm going to apologize ahead of time. Must use the wire. Oh, that was so wrong. Driving zombie while keeping within a 77-foot circle. The record to beat was 41. Bari also set a record for the most donuts spins in a monster truck in one minute at 44, giving him two Guinness World Records. We'll have to confirm their guest this evening and see if you get the name close. I think it might be close the second time. You never know. Adam Anderson driving the Megalodon jumped eight monster truck monster jam trucks during his Guinness World Record title. The previous record was jumping seven monster jam trucks held by Colton Eichelberger, set at Monster Jam World Finals in 2018. Todd LeDuc attempted the first ever forward momentum double backflip while driving a monster truck, a stunt no one has ever landed before with 12 practice attempts by two people. As he hit the top of the 20-foot ramp on the first attempt, the engine blew and the crew on site had to quickly swap a motor for a second attempt that ended up being unsuccessful and the hardest hit in Monster Jam ever. Our first guest this evening is Bryce Kenny. Now officially the fastest Monster Jam driver in the world, Kenny, driving the, the Great Clips Mohawk Warrior, was able to set a speed record of 103.31 miles per hour, which no one has ever gone over 100 miles per hour in a monster truck. The previous record was at 99.1 miles per hour. We're currently standing by for Bryce to call into the program. He should be calling any second now. Uh, we are very pleased to be able to have a, a driver from the Monster Jam series on the program tonight. It took a little bit of effort to get someone from the series on the show, but it, it's a great thing to, to have them on. Monster Jam is one of the most popular series in, in motorsports in the country, and we are very pleased to welcome Bryce Kenny to the program this evening. Hey, guys, what's going on? How are you doing tonight? Hey, doing well. Thanks very much for coming on the show tonight. It's great to to have a chance to talk to you. Yeah, yeah, no problem at all. I'm uh, happy to be on, and and, uh, you guys have a great show. So anxious to to chat a little bit on a a nice uh, Thursday evening here. There you go. First off, congratulations on the world record. And how does driving 300 miles per hour... How does driving at nearly 300 miles per hour in a top fuel dragster compared to going 100 miles per hour in a monster truck? <laughs> well, there's, uh, gosh, there's really no comparison uh, to a degree. And at the same time, just chaotic speed is chaotic speed in, in any machine, you know. So there's so many, similars and so, so many, so many uh, similarities and so many differences. But I will say 300 miles an hour, uh, top fuel dragsters, it is so violent. I mean, it's just the most violent acceleration that you could just put your body through. Um, and so, th- to me, it was always just dangerous, violent, chaotic speed uh, driving that top fuel car going 300 miles an hour. But it was also as smooth as violent speed could be. 
this, you know, going 100 miles an hour in a Monster Jam truck, you know, something that weighs normally 12,000 pounds, we were able to kind of shave a little bit away, get it down to about 10,000 pounds. But having those uh, giant BKT tires, you know, they're 66 inches tall, about 43 inches wide, and each of those tires weigh 800 pounds. And so they don't want to go 100 miles an hour, but of course, just like any good motorsports guy like all of us would be if we've got the opportunity to kind of push the limits we're going to do that and so it was definitely a lot of vibrations i will not say going 100 miles an hour in a, in a monster truck is smooth uh, but it was still very chaotic and at times very violent speed as well what is your average event weekend like in the monster jam series well, we usually uh, actually get to fly in, you know, so, so the nice thing is we, I came up in professional drag racing, like I was talking about in Top Fuel, and, uh, you know, I traveled with the car, I worked on it during the week, I, I drove it, I pulled the clutch out of the Top Fuel car when we were running match races and stuff, and uh, here with Monster Jam, it's been such a, a blessing because I, I literally, I get to fly in on Thursday night, uh, I usually wake up and whatever that we're at or whatever city we're uh, doing some sort of media, talking to, to maybe it's radio or doing some, some local media there, trying to encourage people and families to get out and come watch the event. Uh, we do practice typically on Friday afternoons, um, and then I get to go out and check out the city. And, and wherever I'm at, I get to go and, and kind of hang out and take in the local cuisine. Um, and then on Saturday, we're waking up, we're getting the trucks ready, uh, and we're, we're uh, doing our Monster Jam pit parties where all the fans can show up and uh, we've got the Great Clips tent there uh, right beside my truck, and we're, um, uh, we're having some uh, getting all these kids' hair gelled up into mohawks and spraying them all these different colors and trying to have them match my haircut since I wear a mohawk as well. Um, and then it's game time. You know, we go out, and at 7 o'clock that night, you know, we're packing a stadium full of 40,000 people plus, and, uh, and we're going out there to entertain these families for, you know, hopefully two hours or less and getting to – to enjoy that. So I get to fly in on Thursday, tear up the truck on Saturday night, and I jump back on an airplane on those Sundays to fly home, and we do it the, the uh, weekend following that as well. So it's just a, a lot of fun to meet all the local uh, people, but to, to go out there and take in the cuisine, take in the sights. Uh, man, it's just a blast. It's a dream come true for me. How did you make the leap, uh, pun intended, from Nitro Jam to the Monster Jam series? Oh, I love a good pun. Um, well, for me, I, honestly, it was, it was, uh, I, I had a connection, believe it or not, it had nothing to do with motorsports. Um, I actually played soccer collegiately, Division One soccer, with a guy named Morgan Kane. And Morgan Kane is a driver of one of the uh, gravedigger drivers. And uh, Morgan found out when my family decided to get out of drag racing, professional drag racing, because that was in 2011. And uh, we just had to sell everything, right? It was the hardest time in the world to try to get sponsors. And we got, you know, kept it alive for a number of years. But finally, we just needed to step, out, step away. And when I did that, Morgan asked me, hey, have you ever thought about a truck? You need to talk to this guy. He's at Monster Jam. And it took me a while to reach out to them because my whole life, my passion was around professional drag racing. And uh, finally, I said yes and talked to them. Well, honestly, it took about four years and they kind of called me. I hadn't had an initial conversation, but four years later, they called me back, and they said, Bryce, we know it's been four years. We've had your information all this time. Timing is better for us. Would you like to come up to Monster Jam University and test a, a Monster Jam truck? And I thought, first of all, is it a real university? Are you going to give me a diploma? Turns out they do give diplomas. They actually gave me a diploma, uh, funny enough. 
but I, I went up there, tested the truck out, figured out that I just absolutely love it. I mean, if you got a call and, and said, hey, do you want to come up to Illinois and test a Monster Jam truck? I know, you know, maybe 99.9% of people out there would say absolutely tell me when and where I got to be. And, uh, you know, it just kind of snowballed from there. I drove Monster up my first season, uh, which was 2016, I believe. Um, and then uh, since 2017, I've been in the Great Clips Mohawk Warriors. It's just gotten so good so fast. You know, represent Monster Jam, represent Great Clips, get really involved on uh, the branding side of all of this. And, you know, like I said, getting to go all over the world and, uh, you know, encourage kids, inspire families to be better, to do better. It's just a lot of fun. And, and like I said, I mean, this is what I dreamed of doing as a kid, uh, whether it's in Top Fuel or whether it's in Monster Jam, to me, it's the chance to use a platform to make other people's lives better. And, you know, you, you hope that when your head hits the pillow at night, you've had a chance to do that. And I, I hope that, that uh, for our sake and for our, in our case, I hope that we've had those opportunities to execute. Awesome. What's your favorite arena to compete in? Well, I'll be honest. I think my first chance last year to run Indianapolis, I had a blast. It was Lucas Oil Stadium. And, and I think it was because when, I, when you walk around Lucas Oil Stadium, you know, of course, it's, it's not that I'm a Colts fan. I'm not. Uh, but, you know, when, when I'm walking around and I see all of those uh, machines, they, they literally have a top field dragster there in the, in the concourse. They've got uh, Formula One cars. They've got all these cool motorsports uh, tie. They've got a, a hydro boat in there. You know, you've seen all this stuff, and all this got Lucas Oil. And, and to me, it just kind of brings all of it together. But uh, to, to – to, to know what, what motorsports obviously means to the city of Indianapolis and then to still see 50, 60,000 people pack out Lucas Oil Stadium to watch us go do backflips uh, in these 12,000-pound trucks, man. I, I love getting up to Indianapolis, and it just feels like Mecca for all of us drivers. doesn't matter which motorsports you're in. So I can't wait to get back to Indy. My final question for you, at least for now, growing up, who was your racing idol? Well, it was my grandfather. Uh, so my grandfather, if, if people followed drag racing at all, they may have known of Doc Sipple. Uh, man, and I was, I was so close to my grandfather. He was my hero. You know, he started out on old abandoned airstrips back in the 50s, souping up old Chevys and Oldsmobiles um, and running on these old abandoned airstrips. And he kind of became known as the guy that could get a little bit extra horsepower out of those. And, and he just slowly stepped up. Uh, classes uh, again over it took him uh, 50 years about to get to the top fuel ranks and he he uh, bought a top fuel car in 2001 and at that point I was 13 years old and he let me go with him uh, to all these national events and and to me getting to kind of to, to to see him chase his dream man there was nothing better than that and, and watching him on the hard days you know it's not that he he never got discouraged he did but man to to be able to watch him endure the hard days and then celebrate the good days i mean to me i felt like it was putting on all of this armor all over my body getting ready to chase my own dream and so uh you cannot have a grandfather like i had who was a dream chaser a butt kicker a a life changer you can't have a grandfather like that that became a mentor of yours and a counselor of yours uh and, and and grow up in that scenario and then not chase your dream uh, and so for, I'm just forever grateful that I, I had that childhood opportunity that I had. It, I felt like it matured me very quickly. You know, I was 15 years old, and I was our clutch guy, you know, pulling 1,200-degree 
uh, clutch disc out of that 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 clutch out of a top fuel car. You know, and that was my responsibility. I was helping to tune it and change primary and secondary weights on the on the uh, pressure plate. And, and and it's just a dream come true for that. And and I constantly, man, if I have hard days, I always think about those days when I watched my grandfather endure the hard ones because I knew that the good days were coming right behind them as well. And that stood true. And so I'm very thankful for that relationship. I miss him dearly every single day. And I, I wish he was here to, to be able to, to, to you know, uh, enjoy the, the, these moments of breaking a Guinness World Record and doing all the great stuff we're doing with Monster Jam and packing out football stadiums all across the country, hopefully, right, when we can all uh, be able to pack out a football stadium again. But, uh, you know, it's just for, for us, man, I, 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 it's a family event. There's a lot of us that it takes to pull off something like this, to go out there and do a Guinness World Record. So many people that turn so many wrenches, work behind the scenes, and uh, I'm just thrilled that I got to be the one to throw the helmet on, get behind the wheel of that Great Clips Mohawk Warrior truck, and I'll be the first one to ever go 100 miles an hour in one. That's a, it's a huge honor for me. Awesome. Well, I'd like to throw you out to my co-host, Michael Morelli Capello, who has some questions for you as well. Awesome. Bring it on. So my first question for you this evening, and it sounds like you touched on it a little bit with your grandfather, which that's really awesome. How did you get started in racing? So uh, even when I was born, I mean, my so my grandfather, like I said, back started back in the 50s, but he actually owned a drag strip in Clay City, Kentucky. About, back then it was called Mountain Parkway Drag drag Strip, uh, and, and I grew up that. I mean, I grew up. You know, when I was eight years old, we had a junior dragster, and he bought us a junior dragster, and I would run that, race that, and felt like I was going 1,000 miles an hour, and I was probably going 35. Uh, but I got to, you know, practice maintaining it and having fun. And, you know, and during the weeks, I was the one weed-eating all the fence lines. You know, so I grew up around that. And, and what's cool is my, my uncle just bought the drag strip back because uh, when my grandfather sold it in 2001, that's when he bought the top fuel operation. And uh, so we didn't own it from 2001 until last year. And my uncle, Aaron Sipple, bought it. I guess it was the, at the end of 2018 that he purchased it again. Uh, so the, it's back in the Sipple family, uh, which is that side of the family that uh, uh, is kind of my racing side. It's my mom's side. I know my last name is Kenny. But, uh, but he purchased it back, and now it's Kentucky Dragway. And so it's, it's just in the blood for all of us. Would you ever want to own your own racetrack? No, <laughs> but that's because I grew up, I grew up, you know, like I said, weeding in the fence lines, but I know what it takes and I've seen it and, and it is, it is uh, really difficult, but you know, here's the thing. It's not that I'm afraid of the heart of the work that it takes to maintain. You know, I watched my grandfather do it for years and I'm watching my uncle now because I think, but you, you're going to experience this in any situation where there's people that want you to win and there's people that want you to fail. You know, it doesn't matter. I can, you can be a Monster Jam driver. I promise you there's people out there that want me to win, and I promise you there's people out there that want me to fail. Uh, but to, to see what it takes to every single weekend to put your heart on the line, to make sure that you're coming up with, with new ideas for all the racers, to keep it fresh, uh, because I see most track owners, most tracks out there, a lot of tracks, too many, too many tracks, I guess you should say. That, that sometimes mail it in and, and they, because you've got to kind of get comfortable and have something consistent. Um, I'm, proud of, I'm proud of what my uncle has been doing at Kentucky Dragway, and, and every week he's trying to do something different. He's, he's really trying to create community, a feeling of community out there. And so um, I just know what that requires to do to really create a good culture. 
Um, and I am not in a place in life where I want to uh, own the venue. And then I don't, sometimes I don't feel like I'm creative enough to, to really keep, you know, that culture and that community fresh either. I'll let him maintain that ownership. And who knows though, maybe I'll feel differently in 15, 20 years. <laughs> and what is your favorite racetrack food? Oh, so we had these strombolis at the track, okay? So growing up, there, there was these strombolis that uh, my uncle, actually a different uncle, I've got four of them on that side, and that, everyone kind of maintained a different part of the track when, they, than when my grandfather owned it years ago. But he would make these strombolis, and they were the best things that I could ever eat from the track. And, and nowadays, all I want to do, you know, at Monster Jam, I'm always like, eyeing and, and eyeballing the the concourse today and whether it's i know this is ridiculous but even just a simple thing of those nachos with that gross yellow you know squirted cheese stuff i like you know, that so i love that stuff so to go throw some of that you know the the, the liquid cheese and a couple of jalapenos on there i mean uh, you know if i see a nacho stand i'm probably going to hit it up at some point that weekend but that's probably why you know i can barely fit in my fire suit right now i need to I need to go exercise a little bit harder, uh, get, get some of this shelter-in-place weight off of me, too. <laughs> well, my final question for you this evening, how do the monster truck names come about? That's a really good question, too. Sometimes it's actually fan-submitted. So there's a couple uh, trucks that are out there. Northern Nightmare is uh, actually kind of like a Canadian-themed truck. A Canadian driver, Cam McQueen, uh, drove it the entire life of, of that. Um, and, and it, it was, you know, maple leaves all over the truck and, and that started and that was actually submitted on and, and came up with by the fans, uh, the zombie truck, a lot of times people, uh, a lot of the, the zombie truck, it's actually got big arms, you know, that are probably eight feet long. It seems like with big giant zombie hands too, that bounce all over the place when they're out there running, running that truck. And, uh, that was fan submitted, uh, even Mohawk warrior, you know, back when, uh, Back when uh, it started in 2010, it used to be called Escalade uh, because it was a Cadillac Escalade molded body. But Cadillac got aggravated and said, hey, that's our brand. You can't use it. Uh, and so they had to come up with something. And the guy that was driving, his uh, name was George Bellhan. He had a big giant mohawk. And he came, they, they, uh, they all came up with Mohawk Warrior. Um, and so it's kind of survived that name through since 2010. And then 2017 is when Great Clips came on board. And, you know, we're the only truck now with a – with a haircut on, you know, it sits on top of the truck, which is a lot of fun. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, sometimes it's the fans and sometimes it's just kind of great, awesome innovation. And, uh, you know, Grave Digger started by Dennis Anderson years ago. Some guy was talking junk to Dennis Anderson uh, and this back in the eighties or something. And he looked at the guy and he said, he was, he was making fun of Dennis's truck. And Dennis said, I'm going to take that truck and dig you a grave with it. And he goes out there and puts on just the craziest show in the world, and it became and he became known as Gravedigger. And here we are, almost what 35 years later since Gravedigger started, and it's become this global phenomenon. So, uh, you know, they they all have their their own unique way of getting started, but uh, the stories behind them, I can just about promise you, behind every truck, there is a really cool story on how that actually started. And and uh, here we are, Monster Jam's going on there you know, 30 plus year history of, of being an entity. And it's, it's, it's going to come back bigger and better than ever after all this stuff gets back to normal for us. And my final question for you for tonight is, do you have any clue as to when the monster jam series will go back and be hitting the road with, with or without fans? 
Well, that's a great question. And, you know, it, it's been fun because we've been trying to, to do all sorts of things. Like we just had this, uh, the Diesel Brothers Monster Jam breaking world records. And, you know, we're, we're, we're out there constantly. We're still testing. We're still working. We're still innovating and trying to do that. And so I'm, I'm by no means the guy that, that uh, can uh, set that on the calendar and, and set those dates on the calendar. But we're ready. I'm ready. Uh, all those drivers are, we are just, uh, getting so antsy. All we want to do is climb up in that truck, put that helmet on, strap on the Hans device, get 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 as tight into that seat that's molded to my body as I can, and go hit a jump as high as I possibly can. Go 30 feet in the air. Go do a backflip to get all these fans up on their feet again. And we really do miss it. I know the fans miss it as well. So um, I can tell you we'll be back as soon as humanly possible. Um, and like I said, man, there's a lot of us that are wanting it to to come back bigger and better than ever a lot of people committed to doing that as well and, and i'm excited that i can be a part of it awesome well we wish you lots of luck in the rest of the year and again congratulations on your world record hopefully we get to see some more amazing monster jam stuff on the on the air pretty soon i appreciate that so much guys thanks for having me on and uh, hopefully we'll talk to you again in the future awesome thank you all right bye-bye once again that was bryce kenny who drives the Monster Jam Supercuts car, the Mohawk Warrior in the Monster Jam series. It was amazing to talk to him this evening. Hopefully, as he said, we get to get to see them on the air soon and have some more interaction with the Monster Jam drivers in the future. Our next guest this evening is Tanner Faust. Faust Battery is a leading brand of Clarios, recently attempted to set the record for the fastest street legal minivan. Recent Optima PowerPoint Ambassador Edition, Tanner Faust, drove a Mercedes-Benz R63 powered Optima batteries, yellow top H- H6YT, for a one-mile stretch to attempt the fastest street-legal minivan title. Wyastek Engineering helped to engineer the street-legal minivan, which included a new 700-horsepower engine. Tanner Faust, as most of you know, is a professional racing driver, stunt driver, and TV host. He is known as one of the most versatile drivers in the world, winning six professional motorsport championships in a wide variety of disciplines. He was co-host of the American version of the motoring television series Top Gear on History Channel for six seasons, after hosting a variety of automotive shows in the FBN, Speed, and NBC Sports. Faust has more than 30 film credits, including his role, his role as a stunt driver for the Fast and Furious, Tokyo Drift, Hobbs and Shaw, The Need for Speed, and Ford vs. Ferrari. He has set multiple world records with Hot Wheels and Top Gear, including the longest jump, 332 feet, and highest loop, 66 feet. He was a prominent competitor in the Formula Drift Series, winning the 2007 and 2008 championship, and still holds the record for most consecutive top qualifying rounds. Faust is also the first driver in Formula Drift history to win back-to-back series championships, a feature repeated in the Global Rallycross Championship in 2011 and 2012. In 2019, he won the American Rallycross Championship. He is the only American driver to win a round at the FIA World Rallycross Championship and is the most decorated driver in X Games history, with 10 medals, including 4 gold. He's slated to call in in about two minutes. So let's go ahead and take another short break here. It may not be a full-length break, but we'll go ahead and take another short break and listen to The Fence Kids from Ron Pastana and the pit crew. Every track back and sell a couple programs a year. 
Watkins and me. Once again, that was a short snippet of Fence Kids from Ron Posana and the Pit Crew. We don't want to keep Tanner Faust on hold any longer than he has to be, so let's go ahead and welcome him to the program this evening. Hello, how are you doing tonight? Hey, hi. You're doing great. How are you doing? Not too bad. Not too bad at all. First off, congratulations on the world record. Can you tell us how fast you got in the minivan? Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, we did a stand. Well, it's a very specific world record, as you know. It was uh, a standing mile in a street legal minivan, and we did 165 and a half miles an hour. Awesome. So just it was your regular uh, 700 horsepower grocery getter. It was good times, and uh, is out in Nebraska near Arnold, Nebraska, and. The, you know, you're driving every straight, incredibly smooth road there is in the region, and then you get to one rough, bumpy road, and that, unfortunately, is the road that you need to go uh, do the speed record on. But, I mean, some guys <laughs> in crazy cars were going over 200 miles an hour, and the minivan was actually a wild ride even at 165, but it was a ton of fun. So got to thank Optima Batteries for sending me out there for that. I know you've done a, a ton of different racing in all different sorts of machines over the years. Which one's your favorite and why? Um, yeah, I've been pretty pretty fortunate to jump in a bunch of different cars. And um, I I got to say the most fun racing that I've ever done is rallycross. And, while that, and, I, and I was lucky enough to drive uh, Carl Edwards' uh, road race car in Miami. And I uh, had an amazing time in that stock car, and it was insanely fast. Um, there's something about a rallycross car that will do – you know, zero to 60 in 1.9 seconds, we'll do 170 foot jumps and still pull two, two lateral G's on the pavement. I mean, they're just amazing. And my car was a beetle. So that's, that's saying a lot. If I'm saying my favorite car that I drove was, you know, a a million dollar beetle, but it's a, uh, it's an insanely fast car and rally cross cars are unlike anything that I've ever experienced before. You just can't get enough of them. It's interesting you bring up the Rallycross car. I know that uh, this week is Shark Week there on Discovery. I know at one point they actually had a Shark Week tie-in with the uh, with the Beatles there. So That's true. That's right. We had sharks on the side. I think Scott Speed had it on his car. I had uh, one logo on mine, and that was – yeah, that was cool. When uh, And the show was tied in with Discovery for, for that uh, for that series. But um, that series has moved on. The new series is going to be the Nitro World Games and okay. um, so hopefully we'll get that going in uh, 2021. That's uh, kind of Travis Pastrana's outfit, and uh, it's uh, got a lot of promise for the future. In the past few weeks, we've had the chance to talk about the new series that Tony Stewart is producing for CBS next summer. There have been a lot of different styles of, uh, of courses that they're talking about running on, and a few amazing recently retired drivers that have been announced. If you were asked, unless you haven't already, would you be interested in that sort of thing? I looked into that. I'd be all over it. It sounds so much fun. I don't know what the cars are going to be, though. Have you heard what type of cars they're going to be driving? Are they a variety of stock car, or are they coming up with something unique for all of those uh, unique courses they're talking about? They put out a, uh, I believe last week, they put out a, a picture. It looks like a Mustang, but I'm not sure if it actually is a Mustang, but that's what it looks like from the picture. Okay. Okay. So maybe it's up for uh, some manufacturer interpretation, but yeah, it looks yeah. like a ton of fun. And I love that kind of racing where, um, you know, they, they, uh, they put in a bunch of different surfaces. Uh, the tracks are, are very different from, from track to track. So it requires a driver to learn the track quick, 
have a lot of, you know, tools in their tool belt, whether it's gravel track racing, whether it's uh, road course stuff, or maybe some high speed stuff, even a couple jumps, things like that. The more tools mm-hmm. you have in your bag, the better off you are. And I, I love that kind of racing. And um, I, I, yeah, I'd be all about it. So Tony Stewart, let's do this. <laughs> I know this year has been really, really tough for, for auto racing with the, uh, with the pandemic and the, and the actual stoppage of the, of the racing seasons. But how do you feel racing in general has fared this year? It, that's, a, that's kind of a tricky question because I think in a lot of cases, you know, the hardcore fans have stuck with it. Um, the drivers have done a good job of keeping their faces out there, whether they're doing iRacing or whether they're um, just active on social media. Um, the kind of racing that I've been doing for a number of years is really motivated by manufacturer spending and, um, the manufacturers and some of the bigger sponsors, I think they are, this pandemic has really forced them to find another way and, and, you know, create content rather than maybe race. And so I'm really looking forward to business getting back as usual. So, uh, cause I, I'm a big believer in motorsport. I'm a believer in what motorsport does for technology, what motorsport is as a, as a culture. And I think the enthusiast car culture out there is really strong in America. Um, the way that, you know, cars and coffees were going um, before the pandemic was absolutely insane. They're popping up in every town, every Saturday. So I think motorsport can be strong. Um, I'm hoping that we get motorsport going soon before, uh, you know, a lot of companies are able to maybe find another way to do their high energy marketing. Yeah. And what's your next big project with Optima Batteries? Well, I mean, it's, it's awesome to be back with Optima Batteries. You know, they were my first sponsor, um, which you may not have known. That was in, uh, like, I think 1995 or 1996 um, when I was racing club racing SCCA in Colorado. And that's when the company was based in Colorado. So it's really cool to be back with them. The first thing, and I just now basically signed back with Optima very recently. So my first step, to be honest, is to put an Optima battery in everything I've got from boat to, uh, you know, from a boat anyway, to cars and drift cars and rally race cars and off-road trucks. So uh, I'm, I'm basically sending them a list of part, uh, part numbers and, and that's going to be job number one is get an Optima battery and everything. So, uh, but we've got some cool projects lined up in the future. Um, some that I can't really talk about, but there's a lot of electric racing going on and we'll see how we can tie Optima into some of that electric racing in the future. Awesome. Now I'd like to throw you out to my yeah. co-host, Michael Malali Capello has some questions for you as well. Cool. Thanks, Adam. No problem. My first question for you this evening, what's the fastest speed you've ever gone? Uh, the fastest speed that ever went was in a, uh, it's called a one-to-one, and it's a Koenigsegg made by this uh, builder in, out in Denmark. And he, uh, it was in a standing mile. So from a standstill in one mile, I did 225 miles an hour. And, uh, and then the car actually came back to a stop in, in less than half a mile. The brakes were pretty amazing, but that's the fastest I've ever been. The second fastest was a 223 in a standing mile in a, in a Ford GT. And what is the most memorable moment? Well, and it doesn't have to be like a racing moment because you do a lot of cool stuff, but what's the most memorable moment you've had of your career so far? Boy, um, uh, well, I mean, just getting paid to drive cars, 
still is something that I have to pinch myself over pretty regularly. You know, I grew up, uh, my, my family had never really been to races. I, I didn't have that kind of family connection. And I just grew up a fan of cars and I never thought that I could actually make a living with a steering wheel. And, and I think one of the things that changed all that was the X games and winning the first gold medal at, uh, X games in 2007. Um, was one of the things that really kicked me over the edge to where now I, I, I knew I could find value for companies with driving. And uh, so I thank X Games, uh, you know, every day for, for that. It was a, a really a big, a big boost for, um, you know, for a kid who had a dream that wanted to drive cars for a living and, and really helped to make that a reality. And what is your dream car? Um, that's a tough question for a car guy, for sure, as you know. And I would say that uh, I did get to do some TV shows with a, um, you know, I used to host this show Top Gear, and we did get this car on there called the Carrera GT, which was, uh, I think, their 2005, 2006 Porsche Carrera GT. Um, unfortunately, it's the same type of car that uh, Paul Walker died in, but um, the car is one of the last heroic supercars. Um, no traction control, um, no stability control, a V10 with 600-plus horsepower, and just had some of the best days that I can imagine sliding that car up and down canyons in California. It was just uh, – so I would love to hold on to one of those, but, you know, they've gotten a little pricey. But, yeah, Porsche Carrera GT. And my final question for you this evening, if you could ride shotgun with anybody in the world, Anybody at all, who would it be? Well, there's a lot of angles to that question, aren't there? Um, I would, I'd have to, uh, you know, one of my all-time driving heroes is a, um, a rally driver by the name of Colin McRae. And I'm not sure if you've heard of him, but uh, I did ride with Colin McRae very briefly during one of the, he was a teammate during X Games. And he tragically died in a helicopter accident probably 15 years ago, but he uh, he's maybe 12 years ago, but he he is somebody that I rode with him for all of two minutes, and I gained so much speed in my own driving just uh, going to school on him. He it was just an absolute uh, professor, and so I I really cherish that ride, and it would be amazing. I know it's not possible now, but it would be amazing to get in the car with him and just the stuff that he can do with the car is unlike anybody I've ever seen before. So that would be incredible. And my final question for you tonight is there's so many amazing automotive uh, programs out there right now. What's your favorite one, aside from the ones that you've been on, obviously? What's your favorite one to just sit down and watch and see if you can learn something from? Oh, geez. I mean, it's, uh, it's hard because I don't watch network TV that much. Um, I was a big fan of, and, you know, it's kind of, it was a little, uh, bit of an off the wall show, but I was a big fan of some of the, um, you know, the hypercar that Rutledge Wood did um, just because I love that concept of people bringing their own cars out there and doing absolutely ridiculous things with them. And my mantra for a long time has been just do fun things with cars. Keep driving fun. You know, we want our 16 year olds of the world to want to get a driver's license and have fun. So um, I, lo- I love that hyperdrive show. So I got a half off for Rutledge on that. And, uh, and while I worked on the U.S. Top Gear, I've always been a fan of the British Top Gear show. Um, I, love, uh, I love what they do, and I love how much uh, hardcore 
driving they, they actually do in those shows. Well, we'd like to thank you very much for coming on the show this evening. It's been an amazing time talking to you tonight, and hopefully we can get it in touch with you again in the future. Maybe the next time you do something amazing for uh, Optimum Batteries, we'll be able to talk to you about that too. Hey, thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. Really happy to be a part of the Optima team, and hopefully we get to talk again soon. Thank you. Have a great evening. All right. You too. Thanks, guys. Once again, that was Tanner Faust. We can hardly wait to see what his next project is. He's been involved in so many great things over the years, uh, amazing different cars and all that sorts of stuff. So hopefully he's got something amazing up his sleeve. Let's go ahead and take another brief musical interlude here with Ron Pastana and the Pit Crew. This is Full Throttle.
Once again, that was Full Throttle from Ron Poisson and the Pit Crew. Again, you can catch them online by searching for Ron Poisson and the Pit Crew. They have a wide variety of, of songs, mostly motorsport-centric, that you can download. And it's great to support local musicians. NASCAR has announced the final installment events in the revised 2020 schedule, including the full playoff schedule for all three national series. In the NASCAR Cup Series, all 10 playoff venues and dates will remain intact for the original 2020 schedule, with a preseason kicking off, postseason rather, kicking off at Darlington Raceway on Sunday, September 6th on NBC Sportsnet at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, and culminating with the crowning of a champion for the first time at Phoenix Raceway on Sunday, November 8th, NBC at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. In the NASCAR Xfinity Series, one new venue, Talladega Super Speedway, has been added as the second race in the opening round of the playoffs on Saturday, October 3rd. NBCSN, 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Speedway moves to the regular season finale on Friday, September 18th on NBCSN at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. The playoffs will now begin at Las Vegas Motor Speedway on Saturday, September 26th on NBCSN at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. The NASCAR Gander RV and Outdoor Truck Series will visit two new venues during the series playoff run. Kansas Speedway on Friday, October 16th on FS1, 7 p.m. Eastern, and Texas Motor Speedway on Sunday, October 25th on FS1, noon Eastern, which is the new date for the race from Texas that was postponed on Friday, March 27th. Bristol Motor Speedway will now serve as the playoff opener for the Gander Trucks on Thursday, September 17th on FS1, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Finally, the Gander Trucks will visit Richmond Raceway on Thursday, September 10th on FS1, 8 p.m. Eastern Time for the regular season finale, fulfilling the race that was originally scheduled for Saturday, April 18th. NASCAR's modified medical procedures and protocols were designed in accordance with public health officials, medical experts, and local, state, and federal officials. NASCAR will determine if fans are allowed entrance to NASCAR events on a market-by-market basis in accordance with local and state guidelines. Road course racing NASCAR Cup style is back in Daytona Beach, Florida after running on the old beach course from 1949 to 1958. A limited number of fans will get the opportunity to see the Gold Bowling 235 at the Daytona Road Course along with the Sunoco 159 NASCAR Gander RB and Outdoors Truck Series race this Sunday, August 16th. Fans can get tickets which start at $49 for both races for adults and $10 for kids 12 and under by visiting DaytonaNationalSpeedway.com or by calling Ryan Hunter Pit Shop. The weekend kicks off Friday with the General Tire 100 Arkham Menard Series on Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, MAV-TV. On MAV-TV, while the NASCAR Xfinity Series uh, UNOH 188 is set for Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time on NBCSN. NASCAR will also return to the end of August to the high banks of the two-and-a-half-mile trialable with the Coke Zero Sugar 400, August 29th. It will mark the final regular season race that will determine the 2020 NASCAR Cup Series playoff driver lineup. So, Wawa 250, powered by Coca-Cola for the NASCAR Xfinity Series, takes to the track on Friday, August 28th, to ignite the weekend. Fans can stay connected with Daytona International Speedway on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, YouTube, and by downloading Daytona International Speedway's mobile app for the latest Speedway news throughout the season. Schedule, schedule times, dates, and locations are subject to change. We've had a great show this evening. We've had a, a chance to talk to a wide variety of different drivers, including the uh, Bryce Kenny as well as Tanner Faust, who have a, bring a wide variety of experience in motorsports to the discussion. Uh, 
unfortunately, there's been a lot of ups and downs this season, but I think that by talking to people like that who are definitely committed to auto racing, that the uh, people will have a, a chance to see what a great sport the uh, world of motorsports is, and things will get better. Uh, there have been uh, some adjustments in schedule over the past few weeks that have uh, have changed people's perspective on racing, but if people realize that the that the auto racing world is is a, a fabulous thing to keep track of, it's a, uh, a fun thing to do, it's a, a great way to to pass time, a great way to to enjoy technology, then we'll all be in a better place. Um, unfortunately, the Indy 500 will occur without fans this year. That is one of the big news things of the past few weeks. Uh, but the Indy 500 practice is underway. They've had some some great stuff going on there. They had a, a big crash today, which is unfortunate, but the, the driver walked away from it. Um, so that's a good thing. Um, and they are getting ready for a, a record-setting year. It will definitely be a different year because the uh, there will be nobody in the grandstands, but it will be pretty good. And the timing, of course, of the race, instead of being in May, it will be in August. But it will be, it'll be cool to see the IndyCars around Indianapolis. Uh, even if it is a totally different time of year. Um, there have also been some changes to the NHRA schedule. I posted that on, on Speedway Digest this afternoon. The race from Atlanta has unfortunately been canceled for this year. Um, I am still hopeful that the uh, the race in Gainesville will go on as scheduled, although I'm not 100% certain as of yet, which is why I haven't made my final travel arrangements for that race. Um, however, we are planning on having, hoping, to have someone from the NHRA on the program in roughly two weeks. So that would be cool to get somebody from the National Hot Rod Association back on the show. We have had a relationship on and off with the National Hot Rod Association over the past few years. I've been able to talk to a wide variety of different racers from that series. Um, it was also pretty cool to get a, a racer who raced in the Nitro Jam series. As most of you remember, we did have a great relationship with the Nitro Jam series a few years back. We were able to talk to Miss Nitro Jam on several occasions, as well as talk to a lot of the competitors from the series. Um, so that was pretty cool. Unfortunately, the ITRA has changed their focus over the past several years. Um, so they are currently not even racing um, top fuel, funny car, that sort of thing. They've gone to more of a, a bracket-style race with a lot of late-model cars and some classic cars and that sort of thing. So, But again, it was great to get a, a little foot in the water there of the uh, the past that we had with the IHRA Nitro Jam series. And if anything, we are are very thankful to the people from Feld Entertainment for providing us with the uh, the information to get Bryce Kenny on the show tonight. Be sure to check out past episodes of Thursday Night Thunder as well as the other shows on the Speedway Digest Radio Network at blogtalkradio.com slash speedwaydigestradio. You can also check out the show on Facebook by searching for Speedway Digest Thursday Night Thunder in the search bar. I also invite you to read the articles covering all aspects of Marsports at speedwaydigest.com. As stated, I've had a little bit more time to work on that recently due to the uh, the pandemic and the stay-at-home orders and the fact that it's uh, it's just a good, good time to uh, improve your stuff at home. Um, so you can check that out. We have a lot of different news on the racing news section as well as a little bit in the Speedway news section. To be sure to check that out as soon as you have a moment. In addition, if you're a fan of, of South Florida and who isn't, be sure to check out the latest news and information about our slice of paradise at my site for Bore Plum's Fantastic Finds. It can be found on Facebook, Twitter. Twitter, you can actually find all the stories being posted on the former Palm Beach Happening Twitter page, which is PB Happening, and by heading to for Bore Plum's Fantastic Finds.wordpress.com. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to seeing you again 
in two weeks in the Thunderdome as we discuss the major issues in the world of modern auto racing. Thanks again, and talk to you soon.